All right, so we'll jump into the sermon. Today we're uh, coming from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, hey, um, babe, will you do me a favor and grab my glasses out of that, um, out of my bag, please? And uh, today we're going to be talking about um, the wedding feast, of, uh, and, and Jesus is going to give us a parable or a symbolic uh, story about a wedding feast. Thank you so much. And this... Um, the wedding feast of, of Christ is something that's prominent in Scripture and um, particularly in the book of Revelation. Um, and so just to kind of give us some background for where Christ may be getting this story from is that in Revelation 17, the Apostle John, who receives the revelation, um, he speaks about this marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's believed that uh, this prophecy... Uh, which is a prophecy of Jesus' return, his union with the bride, the church. Um, It's believed that this parable that Jesus tells is an illusion, a foreshadowing to that great day, that great feast in the the end time when Jesus returns. And so as we we consider that as the background of the parable that Jesus is telling, um, the main idea of this sermon on, on this parable is that Jesus is our ticket into the feast and his righteousness is our attire, our appropriate attire. Okay, um, I thought about that saying that Jesus is our ticket and thought how that may sound kind of weird. But all I mean is that Jesus is the way that we appropriately and rightfully uh, attend and remain at that feast. That's what I mean. Okay, and so we're going to read Matthew chapter 22 verses 1 through 14. We're going to pray together. We're going to dig in. And we're going to talk about a few, a few hard things this morning, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us through it and we'll grow from it. So Matthew chapter 22, verses one, verse one through 14, it says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come, so go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me, friends. Father, I am indeed grateful to be before your people this morning. Um, I continue to be humbled that you would use me and Call me to preach your precious gospel to your people. I pray in your mercy today that I would decrease, you would increase, 
and your word would go forth with clarity. Your word, your gospel, your truth would be prevalent in all of my communication and in our hearts and minds through all that is said, all that is shown. Lord God, um, I pray that you would cause your word to be effective in the hearts and the minds of your people this morning, that we would believe Jesus, that, Lord, we would indeed take part in that feast, and that what we would hear is, welcome in thy good and faithful servant, and in your mercy, Lord, it would not be that we are cast out. Grant us your grace and be present with us, even as you've been. Be with our children as they learn. Continue to protect us and keep us from the evil one. Lord, I pray for Pastor Drew and his family as they are serving with that lighthouse ministry that they are being blessed as much as they are blessing others. Lord, we continue to pray for the conflict in the Middle East, in Ukraine and Russia. We pray in your mercy for quick resolution. We pray in your mercy for the preservation of life. Lord God, we also just pray that you would come, Lord Jesus. All this we ask in your mighty and matchless name, Jesus our Savior. Thank you. Amen. And amen. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys know who this is. Um, here's the crazy thing about the world we live in. I bet you know who the person to the left is. I bet you have no idea who the person to the right is. Right? So um, the person to the left is Justin Bieber. The person to the right, I agree. I agree who said that. The Biebs is my guy. The person to the right is the former prime minister of Canada. Um, Justin Bieber is actually Canadian. A lot of people don't know that. But as, a, as one with Bieber fever, I know these things. Um, but what you'll notice in this picture is that... Um, uh, Justin Bieber doesn't seem quite dressed for the occasion, <laughs> right? Uh, he looks like he's just finished plowing a field somewhere and then just decided, let me just mosey on up to the prime minister's place and shake his hand for a picture. Um, but you can also see here, which is interesting, I think Justin Bieber is thinking, you must be so honored to meet me. That's probably what he's thinking. Um, which is why he woke up with his pajamas and, and just came over. But um, I chose this picture because I thought it was a funny way to think about being improperly dressed for the occasion. And um, if you're here this morning, you've probably experienced where, you know, you've been to a party um, that maybe you weren't invited to. Have you ever done that before? Crashed a party? Really fun um, because there's no expectation of you having any proper behavior because no one knows you, right? That's, that's, the old, that's the old us, though. That's not the new us. Um, or maybe you have been invited, but you weren't properly dressed, right? You were either underdressed or overdressed or um, kind of like if you've ever seen that episode of The Office where he tells his girlfriend it's a costume party and she comes dressed as a cheerleader, you know, and it's not a costume party. Um, I remember... Um, Really cool situation. I remember meeting LL Cool J one time at MTV Studios in New York. My cousin worked at MTV Studios, and uh, I was visiting, and he was like, hey, um, you know, LL Cool J is coming tomorrow to do a private listening party for the people at MTV, and uh, I can get you in there. 
um, he said, you know, just be cool. You know, you're not supposed to be there, but I can get you in there. And so I went and I was just wearing like a regular old white T-shirt and like some Jordans or something and some jeans. And um, I was there in the room where LL came in. And from the jump, I could kind of tell that L, that, that he could kind of see that one of these things didn't quite match. Like one of, one of these people weren't supposed to be here. Um, and I happened to be that person. But he was incredibly cool. I had a really cool exchange with him that I think I've shared at other times. Um, and it's an exchange that I'll pass down to my children and their children if the Lord grants me to. Um, but, but, but he was, he was extremely cool. But it was clearly a situation where I was not supposed to be there, right? I was, I was, I wasn't quite, you know, wasn't, I wasn't in the right place in that sense. And so our parable today is about uh, a big party and people being invited to the party, people being properly and improperly dressed for the party. And it closely parallels the story, the parable that Pastor Drew talked to us about from last week. And I want to talk a little bit about how they're the same and how they're different, the two stories. And the difference is, In last week's parable, God the Father was represented by a vineyard owner, an owner of a great vineyard. And this week he's represented by a king. And it's interesting that in the Greek, it's not just said that he's a king, but it's said in a way that he's a man king or a man who is king. And I just was wondering if it was spelled out this way in order to make sure that people understood that the kingship of man doesn't compare to the kingship of God. What, what was this, was this uh, the, the writer of Matthew, was Jesus himself trying to communicate that? What, what we understand in terms of kingship here and royalty, it doesn't quite measure up. So he makes this distinction. But either way, the, the king in the parable represents God the Father. And in last week's parable, the owner of the vineyard, he rents the vineyard out to tenant farmers who were supposed to care for the grapes, cultivate the grapes, and then give the owner his cut of the grapes when they had come to maturity, when they were ready. And so this owner of the vineyard, he sends his uh, servants to these tenant farmers to collect his cut. In today's parable, the king is throwing a wedding feast for his son, and he sends his servants to tell the invited guests that the feast is ready and that it's time for them to come and enjoy the feast. In last week's parable, the servants that the tenant farmer sends are beaten and they're killed by the tenant farmers. In today's parable, some of the invited guests ignore the servants that the king sends, while others of them beat the servants and ultimately kill the servants. Now, the biggest difference between the two parables involve the sons of each story. In the parable from last week, the son is sent by the vineyard owner least of all, assuming that he would receive a different treatment, that he would have a better result, but he is actually killed as well. But in this parable for today, the son is actually being celebrated by a great feast. Rather than being killed, he is the cause of celebration. And another difference is with the servants. Whereas the servants and son are killed by the tenant farmers in the first story in the hopes that they will acquire what rightfully belongs to the vineyard owner, the servants in today's parable 
are killed simply because they hate the message. Simply because there's something about celebrating the sun that fills them with such rage that they quite literally shoot the messenger simply for sharing the message. Well, just as it's pretty clear from the parable from last week, it is this week that Jesus represents the sun. But whereas the servants from last week's parable are most likely the Old Testament prophets leading up to Christ, the servants from today's parable are those who spread the good news of the risen Christ. Jesus, who is no longer dead but alive and who's ready to welcome his invited guests into his glorious kingdom, the kingdom prepared for them. And these invited guests, based on the context, are the Jews. You see, brothers and sisters, when we read the Old Testament, from Genesis chapter 1 to Malachi chapter 4, we're reading the story of God's invitation to the Jews to take part in the kingdom of heaven, to take part in this great wedding feast of the Messiah, the Son. Everything that God does for and through Israel, every prophet, every judge, every king, every war, every exile, every temple, every proverb, every psalm, were all an invitation to the wedding feast of Christ, who is Jesus our Lord. The celebration of the Messiah and the Savior of Israel, the fulfillment of the blessing to all nations through Abraham, which was prophesied way back in Genesis chapter 12. Jesus is it. But instead of rejoicing when news came that Jesus was here and that the time had come, they were angry and they killed him. And not only him, they killed anyone who shared the good news about him. And this is clear not only from what was done to the prophets of the Old Testament, as Pastor Drew mentioned last week, but also the apostles and the disciples whom they killed, like, like Stephen, the deacon, being stoned in Acts chapter 7, and, and James, the apostle, being murdered by Herod in Acts chapter 12. Well, in the parable from last week, the owner of the vineyard, he brings those tenant farmers to a, a wretched end, to quote what Jesus says. While today's parable gives a little bit more detail about what this end entailed, as Jesus says, the king will send an army to destroy these murderers and what's more, to burn their city. And this is, this is believed to, to be a prophecy that was fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. by Rome. Well, after the destruction of the city, the king, in the parable, he, he shifts his focus from the invited guests, and he tells his servants to go and invite some new people. He tells them to go to the highways and to the corners, essentially go to the streets, and invite whoever you find. What's interesting is that in my study, I learned that when Jesus mentions the highways or the streets, it has a very similar connotation to what we understand when we say going to the streets or being in the streets. Um, for Jesus and for this context, going to the streets or the highways 
figuratively represented the territory of what were considered heathen nations. The places that were formerly part of the the unclean and untouchable parts of society, the same places that now the apostles were sent to go and establish the church and the kingdom of Christ, our Lord. So there's a lot of intention when Jesus in verse 10 says, go out and invite everyone, both the bad or the evil and the good. He means go out with a great deal of intentionality and invite those who you may have thought before were unworthy and unclean and unfit for such an amazing honor as being at the king's feast. The invitation was no longer restricted to just those who are of a certain cultural background or those who had it all together, those who seemed to have it all together. It was for everyone. This is precisely what Jesus was communicating to the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 10 when he gives them this vision. He he has this, this sheet come down with all matter of animal that were considered unclean according to the Jewish custom. And he tells them, Peter, get up and eat. Jesus was trying to communicate to Peter that the message of the gospel were for those particularly who were previously considered unclean or unworthy of such a great grace and honor. And then the parable ends with a very interesting scene. Jesus says that once the wedding hall is filled with these folks from the streets and the highways, the king comes in to inspect or more more commonly to, to greet the guests. And when he does, he finds a man there who is inappropriately dressed. He's not wearing the proper wedding attire. Well, this doesn't bode well for the man because the king is highly offended at this. And he orders that the man be tied hand and foot and that he be cast out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, brothers and sisters, that was a lot to cover to make the connection between last week's parable and this week's parable and to share with you what I believe was Jesus' intended meaning with the parables. But there are two things, two points of application that I want to make sure we walk away with this morning. And all of that, my prayer is that all of that would help to inform these two points, just two points that I believe that God wants us to grab and, and take with us from here. And the first is this. We as Jesus' followers are now the servants sent to invite guests to the wedding feast of Christ. But as we do this, I think it's important that we keep two things in mind. The first is this. People will hate the message, and therefore they will hate the messengers. I'm going to say it again. People will hate the message, and therefore will hate the messengers. In John chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus puts it very simply. He says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. I think that sometimes, maybe too often, and I say this, um, I say this as gently as I can, because I believe it can be the case, but sometimes or maybe too often, we assume that people have an aversion to Jesus and Christianity because of all that is wrong with Christians and Christianity. And can I just say that Christians, we Christians, 
and Christianity, a lot of it's messed up. Amen? And that's because all of us are messed up. (laughs) Okay? And when people have some gripes against Christians and Christianity, a lot of the times, they're right. That's true. But while this may be true, in some instances, and even to some significant degrees, I think that we have to leave room for the chance that maybe, maybe, some people have an aversion to Jesus and Christianity simply because they have an aversion to Jesus and Christianity. The second part of that that we need to keep in mind as we go out and we invite the guests that are invited, uh, invite the guests to the wedding feast is this. The message that we are called to share is restricted to no one and therefore is for everyone. The message that we are called to share is restricted to no one and therefore is for everyone. I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again. Um, once uh, I, a friend of mine invited me to go out to California to be on the Conan O'Brien show, which has since been defunct. But it was, it was awesome. It was great. It only cost me $5 to get out there. That's another story. But um, we went out uh, there my first time, and I was like, we got to go to Beverly Hills. Like, we got to go to Rodeo Drive. And so we went out to uh, Rodeo Drive, and I was sitting at a, um, this is, can I give you another free aside? I like telling stories. So we were, we, when you go to Rodeo Drive, there's, you can park like under it or something like that. Some of you guys probably frequent it a lot more than, than I frequent it. But, um, so we went under it, and, um, and we couldn't afford anything there. We just wanted to be there. But we went and we parked. And I was standing there waiting for something, and I had on, I never forget, I had on a blue t-shirt, basketball shorts, like the basketball socks and some shoes, and I was just standing there waiting, clearly, again, inappropriately dressed. And um, this man pulls up in like this Ferrari or something, and he gets out, and his, um, his girlfriend gets out, oh, the woman he's with, she's probably 20 years younger than him, and and when he gets out, the first thing I notice is that this man has a pinky ring that's like five inches tall. It was unreal, like an Italian-looking guy. And, um, and I'm standing there, and I, I, I just, I'm just looking at him, and he looks at me, and he goes, <laughs> and he walks off. And I go, never have I felt that someone had the right to say something like that to me. But that man was probably justified in, in snickering at me like that. Um, but anyhow, uh, I went upstairs, and uh, I was sitting, and um, my friend and her mom were visiting shops, and I was just sitting on a bench, and there was a guy, he had on like a fedora hat, and he was walking from like person to person, talking to people, and he was talking particularly, I noticed that he was, talk- that he was talking to women. When he would talk to women, I took notice, and I thought, oh, here's this guy just trying to flex his muscle, trying to pick up women, you know, showing that he's a big shot and all those things. Well, he ended up sitting right across from me on the bench that was right across from me where a woman was already sitting. And, of course, I was trying to listen intently to what he was saying. And it turns out this man wasn't trying to pick up women. This man was sharing the gospel. And it was a a faithful gospel message. He was doing with grace. It was kindness. It wasn't weird or strange. And the people were listening to him. And I think of this story often, and I share this story often because... I think it reminds me of something that we all need to be reminded of. 
Whereas back in Jesus' day, it was shocking for the Jews to consider that God would invite the deplorables of society into his kingdom, I think that we've developed an opposite perspective, right? We are more likely to assume that the outcasts and, and down and outs of society need the message more than the Rodeo drivers. And what we need to hear this morning is that everybody needs the gospel and that nobody is beneath or above it. Well, that's the first. We are those who are called to invite people into the kingdom. Don't be shocked when you're hated for it and realize that it's for everybody. And the second point, last one, is this. The righteousness of Christ is the only acceptable attire for the wedding feast. The righteousness of Christ is the only acceptable attire for the wedding feast. I once heard a a preacher say something that may seem and very well is a little controversial considering our, our current cultural climate and even the, the climate of the church. But it was impactful for me as a young faithful Christian, and I pray that it will be for you as well. Um, at the close of a sermon that he preached, particularly um, the sermon he preached on hell, he said, and, and this is in, in summary, he said, you know, there will be LGBTQ people in hell. He said there will be fornicators in hell. There will be liars and thieves and murderers and perjurers and adulterers in hell. Well, at this time when, you know, he said this, I was like, okay, I I get that. I hear where you're going. But then he went on to say, and you know what? There will also be heterosexuals in hell. People who never once thought of being with someone of the same gender or sex will also be in hell. He said there will be virgins in hell. People who are waiting faithfully for their spouse to come and whisk them away to marital bliss, marital bliss will be in hell. He said, and guess what? There will also be honest people and kind people and generous people, and even churched people in hell. Because despite what we may think about how good or bad people are, God says that every single one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, and our only hope of heaven is Jesus. Friends, to put this in terms of the parable this morning that Jesus tells, there will be people at that great wedding feast of Christ who will be clothed in their sexuality or clothed in their virginity or clothed in their honesty or clothed in their kindness and God the Father will look at them and say, friend, you are dressed in the wrong attire. Bind them up and cast them out because the only acceptable attire for this party is the righteousness of my son. Is the righteousness of Christ. But what does it mean to be clothed 
with the righteousness of Christ. It means to recognize that Jesus is our only ticket. That Jesus is our only way into the kingdom of God. It means to acknowledge that apart from Jesus, all we have to offer God is brokenness and sin. But through Jesus and his death, burial and resurrection, we have in him an advocate who stands in the presence of the Lord God, Yahweh himself, and he declares that we are forgiven. We have in Christ a high priest who, having offered himself as the sacrifice for all sin, stands before God and declares that we are right before him and that we are marked for eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. And if we are hoping or relying on anything else besides this, if we are figuratively clothed in anything besides Jesus, then we are wearing the wrong clothes. Friends, if we are considering anything else as the means to getting in, then we are holding an invalid ticket. Jesus is our only ticket into the kingdom, and his righteousness is the only appropriate attire. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Um, I understand that, Lord, it ended on a difficult note. But I pray that um, with the harshness of a truth that you share, um, we would all experience and know that what is extended to us is your extreme, extravagant, abundant love and grace.